Um, hi, my name is Nora. I'm a 10th grader at PK, um, and I'm going to be reading our scripture for today. Um, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Jesus stops a storm. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose, and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence, be still. And the wind settled down, and there was a great calm. Then Jesus asked them, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The word of God for the people of God. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Audrey Metcalf, and I work for the youth department. So as you can tell, I'm not a youth, um, but I'm going to be pretending that I am one today. So I'm going to share a little bit about the middle school trip we had this summer. Um, and we took that trip from July 3rd to July 7th. So it was four solidly good days of chaos and fun and sweaty little children. So it was a really great time and a lot of fun. And on this year, this we went to Atlanta, Georgia. So that was a big change for a lot of our people who hadn't been there. And it was a beautiful place to go if you've never been. Um, but we had a different focus than we have in years past on this trip. And we had a lot of fun, but also we did a lot of work. So we had two work days during those four days. And for those two days, we had a theme, mostly. And being in Atlanta, there is no better theme than food insecurity. It's not a fun one, but it was the reality of the people that we were there. Um, and so if you don't know what food insecurity is, it is um, not knowing where your next meal is coming from. It's not guaranteed. You don't know if you're going to have enough money. And a lot of times, it's choosing to have to pay for the bills. Um, to keep the lights on and yourself and your kids in a house rather than guaranteeing you're going to have food to eat. Um, and in Atlanta, this is a really big problem. Going in these years, it's a really big problem throughout everywhere in the United States, but even more so in Georgia. So we worked with two organizations while we were there, and one of them was the Atlanta Community Food Bank, who shared some statistics with us, which I'm going to share with you because it's fun youth night, right? Statistics. Um, and so the ones that they shared with us that really hit home and inspired a lot of the work we did in our free time um, was that in 2021, studies happened, um, and they determined that nearly 20% of black individuals live in a food insecure household. In addition to that, black people are almost three times as likely to face hunger as their non-black companions. And Atlanta is about, <laughs> if you haven't been to Atlanta, Atlanta has a population that is about 15% higher um, minority than it is in anywhere other in the United States. Maybe a couple other, but at least in that general area, it's really high. Um, and so 
it's a big deal. It's a big deal in Atlanta, and there are so many organizations that are um, built and set to talk about this. So our first workday, we did the Atlanta Community Food Bank, which is a huge and wonderful organization that does a lot of work. And on that day, we had youth who were assembling boxes, who were um, packing the boxes on the assembly lines. They have their stuff down to a T. They know what they're doing, they know what each volunteer is doing, and we got to be a part of that. And we packed, I think, about 13,000 pounds. Like, it was at least 5,000 meals and about 13,000-something pounds of food. And that was by a group of seven youth and four adults and then one group of college kids. Like, it was not that many people, but it was that big of a difference. Um, and so that was a really cool thing for them to see. Another day, we did a work day, and we went to a place called Open Hand Atlanta. And this really focuses on a sub-side effect of the food insecurity issue um, in Atlanta. And I'm going to read a little bit from their page because they word it so beautifully. So, um, Open Hand Atlanta is a place that gives food to the community but they have a special subset. And what they do is that they design and create curated meals for people who are both food insecure and have health issues. So they um, have a statistics on their website that talks about due to the intersecting factors shaped by structural racism, including poverty, unemployment, incarceration, and disability, people of color are more likely to live with diet-related chronic conditions and more likely to die from that condition. And this one thing is what their entire community, their entire organization is dedicating their like, lives and their mission and their focus on, not just getting them food, but focusing on the effects that like not having access to food causes on these people. So they are very industrial in their work site. So on this one, our youth got to see the process from start to finish completely. They got to pack meals, and they were on an assembly line with their little gloves and hairnets. They looked really great, and they had to scoop, measure out, and proportion the meals for a balanced, healthy diet. So it wasn't just putting food in boxes that were like they'll figure out what to eat. It was pre-measured microwavable meals for these individuals, and then we loaded those into boxes and delivered them to their houses. So this is kind of a, from doorstep to assembly line, they saw it all, and this organization was beautiful and wonderful, and it was really impactful for them. Um, just because you got to see not only the meal, but you got to see the look on their face and like meet the people who it's going to. Um, and we saw a lot of differences. As we drove, we went through a lot of very rich neighborhoods and a lot of very low-income neighborhoods, and we delivered to every single one of them. So that was a great time. We also had a lot of fun, in case any of you were worried. We're not just um, hounding the youth to make sure that they have a really terrible time. We took them go-karting, which was interesting with a lot of 12-year-olds and 11-year-olds. And I want you all to know, I kicked their butt. I won. I destroyed them on every single game we played. We did every game. Laser tag, I won. I won the race. Virtual reality, I killed way more zombies than all of them, just so you know. But they had a great time nonetheless um, while I was defeating them. And 
on our off time, we also took a day to really reflect on what we had been learning because it was a heavy topic and we made it heavier. <laughs> um, we took a whole day where we, in Atlanta, if you don't know, it's a really big part of the, um, a lot of movements and uh, the freedom movement particularly and equal rights. And so we went to the Martin Luther King Center and we walked through all of that and they got to learn some stuff that they may not have learned yet or reevaluate them. And there was a lot of things that they didn't know. They hadn't learned yet and it was a very heavy day of getting to see things and getting to learn and have that educational experience. So I think it was a really awesome time for them and just beneficial in all parts of their life. Um, and we also got to see Martin Luther King's tomb, which if you have not gone, it is impactful and beautiful. And they learned a lot and they saw a lot and they had a lot of fun. So it was a great time. And that's pretty much the middle school trip. We have some pictures and everything that are in photo books that are outside. If you would like to see any of the beautiful faces that went on the middle school trip, they are in that book. Um, it was not just me and Rebecca, but their pictures are there and you can see who it was as well as just look at the pictures from all the stuff we did because it is a lot more than I can tell you about in a five minute period. So I'm gonna pass it on. Um, these mission trips are so impactful in so many ways. You know, it's not just about the work that we get to do. It's about like these connections that we get to go away together and um, throw off our normal schedules and the things that hold us back and you know, to have space to talk about like these really heavy things like racism and food insecurity and human suffering. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't usually sit around on a Wednesday and talk about that personally. So it's nice to, it's nice to have those opportunities to, um, to dig deep and then to go um, drive a go-kart really fast. Um, so last fall, as we were planning our upcoming summer mission trips, we were like, where are we gonna go for high school? And then, surprise, a hurricane hit. <laughs> the joys of living in Florida, right? Hurricane Ian rocked our state, and it seemed pretty clear where we would have to go. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to drive hundreds of miles away when this hurricane um, had such an impact right here in Florida. Um, and even impacted one of our former youth, Will Whitstruck, was a freshman at uh, Florida Gulf Coast is that all the letters? Florida Gulf Coast State? No? FGCU. That's the one. Um, he, his freshman year, right there at FGCU. Um, so it, that was close to our hearts. And so Hurricane Ian was, was a big thing. So some, here's some more statistics. You know how youth love statistics, right? Yes. Um, Hurricane Ian, did you know that Hurricane Ian was responsible both directly and indirectly for over 150 deaths and over $112 billion in damage? That's a lot. Um, making it the costliest hurricane in Florida's history and the third costliest in U.S. history. So um, this sucker did some damage and so we figured we would go down there and um, do what we could um, to make some change and hopefully to help others feel a little bit more safe. Um, so our scripture passage today is one that reminds me of life 
um, living in a coastal area. Life in a place that's often affected by some nasty storms. I grew up in coastal Georgia, so hurricanes have been a part of my story and a part of, um, part of my life. And so I thought of it when we were talking about this mission trip to do hurricane relief and repair. Um, in this scripture passage that Nora read for us, Jesus and his disciples are traveling from point A to point B across a body of water. And Jesus goes to take a nap on a boat. And while he's sleeping, a big storm happens all around them. And everyone on the boat is terrified, as we all would be, right? Um, the waves are crashing against them, and the boat becomes swamped. So they all feel like they're not going to make it, and they realize, we have Jesus here. Let's go wake him up. And so they go wake Jesus up, and they ask him. Well, they actually demand that he do something, and they accuse him of not caring for them. And he wakes up, and he walks to the edge of the boat, and he gives orders to the wind and to the lake to be silent and to be still, bringing a peaceful calm to the scene. Then he turns to his disciples, and he reminds them that they need to have faith, faith in the fact that he was there with them all along even in the midst of the storm. This bit of scripture is a beautiful picture to me of our lives with Christ. There are storms all over the place and in so many different forms, and we are not alone. September of last year, there was a literal storm that swept through our state that decimated so much, that caused so much damage and so much fear. It took so much from so many. And in the midst of that storm, in its aftermath, we're not alone. God is with us, bringing peace and order and calm where there's chaos. And we felt this. We felt God um, moving in Fort Myers this July when we went down. We took 25 high schoolers and adults to go do some work, and um, we felt that God had empowered us to go be Jesus's hands and feet to, to do some of this calming um, after the chaos and to show the community there that they're loved and that they're not alone, that Christ was with them. This trip was a big one. We took 25 youth all. That was um, three different work teams, and we ended up working on five different homes. And so some of the projects that we worked on, which our youth will share more about, we had a team that did last touches. We had two teams um, that did last touches on two homes um, that were ready to be finished up. So that's um, allowing our teams to the opportunity to be a part of the final stages of what was probably the homeowner's worst, some, one of the worst chapters of their lives. Another team um, worked on a trailer that was in really bad shape due to storm damage. And the homeowner had invested a lot of their own money. They had taken out a loan um, because it was the best and maybe the only option that they had for housing. Another team was installing insulation and hanging drywall on the ceiling of a large home that took a lot of damage, lost a roof, and um, caused a lot of fear for a sweet family with young children. And another team, um, they were the first people to come in and start work on a trailer that hadn't been touched since the hurricane hit in September 2022. 
oh yeah, <laughs> that was wild. Um, so the work that our young people and our adult volunteers did was massive. This trip, um, there was no lack of work to be done um, because of the great need. And we left really feeling like our contributions would make a difference to the homeowners that we worked with. But you know, anybody who's been a part of a mission knows that it's not just about the work being done. It's about the connections that were made and the love that was shown and the way that the spirit moves. So I think the best way for us to, to share really how this trip was, was for some of our students to share some of these stories and um, some of the stuff from the work site. So first up is Emma Engel. She was on my work site. Uh, hi, I'm Emma. Um, I am in 11th grade at GHS, and I was on Rebecca's worksite, as she said. So it's kind of hard to expect um, what you're going to be working on. Like she said, there's so there was so much like varying um, work that we did. So we pulled up the first day to this house, um, and from the outside, it like it was huge. It looked like a really nice house, and we were kind of like what like what are we going to be doing it looked like there wasn't really any damage from the outside that we could tell um they did have a trailer outside which they had been living in um because when we walked inside we were suddenly hit by like a wave of heat they could, their ac was not working um because their roof was torn off um so they quite literally did not have a ceiling um in half of the living room and the whole kitchen uh the pantry their back bathroom um, they didn't have flooring in any of the bedrooms. Um, and this was a big family. They had three little kids, a baby, um, and a like, five-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, so it was really cool to be able to do this for a family. So we installed insulation in this house. Um, it was a lot. It was a, it was a big house, like I said. It was a huge living room and then the whole kitchen. Um, so the insulation took about one and a half days. And then the rest of the week, we were hanging drywall on the ceiling. Um, and then a whole hallway wall we did. Um, and it was very meticulous, the drywall. Um, it, was, it was pretty hard, um, but I'm glad I now have that skill um, to hang drywall. But it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty hard. But our team worked together really well. We, each person had their own skill set. We had um, one of the boys, uh, Ridley. He was our screw guy. Um, he would just stand stand there with his drill and just put the screws in the drywall. Um, we had Lila. She would cut all the drywall. Um, there was, like, in, inset lighting. Um, so we had cut holes in all the drywall. Um, she was our cutter. Um, Sarah Whitstra, Katie's mom, she was measuring it all. She was really good. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we – it was – it was um, it was crazy because, like, when we first walked in, we're like, they literally don't have a roof. Like, wow, this is, like, I can't even imagine. Um, the homeowner told us that when they, when the hurricane hit, their whole family was in the master bedroom um, with all the kids. They were just, like, screaming and crying because it was scary. Like, their roof had just been ripped off, and you could hear the wind blowing, and the rain was pouring, and the house was flooding, and, it, like... I got goosebumps when she was telling us this because it's just like you can't even imagine these young kids going through something like this. Um, and it was just, it was a great experience to be able to help this family um, and hear about all of the other um, work sites that um, we were working on. So here's the next one, Katie. 
Hi, I'm Katie Whitstruck. So my group worked on a mobile home on Pine Island, and this house had a lot of water damage. And we first removed um, damaged wall paneling and put in new flooring. And we were one of the first groups to go there. And we built wall frames for a new bathroom, which we needed a bigger, more accessible bathroom because the homeowner had mobility issues and her old bathroom was too small. And the homeowner paid for a lot of the materials and we just supplied the labor. And then the last day we were in Fort Myers, we worked on another house in Cape Coral where we touched up paint because, and we were the last group there. And while this felt insignificant for most of our team, um, like, you know, our team was, was complaining a little bit about how we were painting the inside of a closet. But this was a really big deal for the homeowner, and he was really happy we were there to help. And that homeowner had two days left in his FEMA trailer, and so we needed to finish up his house really fast. And it was really cool to see, like, the beginning of a project for most of the week and then the very last step at the end of the week. And yeah. Um, I'm Kaden. I'm a 10th grader at GHS, and we worked on two work sites, and the first work site we worked on, we were the last group to work there, and they had, he had been having other groups come out for nine months prior, so it was really cool to like be able to be the last group out there and see what this finished house looked like, because when you first walk in, like everything looks like done, like he had a new door, new tiles, new everything almost. But when we were talking to him, he said the water was like five or six feet high and flooded his whole house and a lot of repairs had to be done. And everything that we were doing on this work site was really tedious. I know people were installing pocket doors. It was very frustrating. And door frames. And I had to do like handles on a bathroom that were very aggravating at times because it was... The measuring was very exhausting, but it was really cool to see how, like, the house was coming along with all the little details and what it really meant to the homeowner, just, like, finishing everything so he can finally be able to live in his house. And he did some really nice things for us. He found out that majority of our group was Swifties and bought us a vinyl so we could list people who like Taylor Swift. And... He bought us a vinyl so we could listen to that while we worked. And if you were a sports fan, he handed out little player cards. So he was just, he was definitely very considerate and thoughtful. And it was just, it was a really cool experience to be able to give him his house back. Hi, I'm Taylor Covey. I'm a 12th grader at Santa Fe High School. And um, so I'm going to be talking about the second work site that we went to. So the second one was on Pine Island. And as we're driving, through Pine Island over the bridge to get there. You can just see all these buildings and homes are destructed. There's cars and buildings. So we could only imagine what we were 
um, pulling up to when we got to the house. It was on a canal, so it got hit really hard by water, and we were the first team to get there. Um, the homeowner, we never really got to meet her, but she was living in a FEMA trailer that whole time. Her house had not been touched at all. So we go inside, and it is just destroyed completely, except for some cabinets, and the bathroom was partially still there. So our first thing that we did was we had to destroy, like, everything that was left in the home, which really, like, hurt because, like, all you can think about is that's all she had left in the house, and now we're destroying it. But then, like, you think about, well, this is the start of something new for her. And um, we also, um, a group worked on ripping up all the flooring, and they found so many layers of different flooring, carpet and wood, and just so many different materials. Um, and then other people um, were working on the bathroom, cleaning out the rooms, and then one of the other things that I was very fortunate to do was the water rose in the building about three feet high, so we had to go through the whole house and cut out that part of the wall around the whole house, and then um, I think it was Caden and Nora, they definitely went behind me and pulled out all the insulation that was left behind the wall, and so we had lots of fiberglass in us, which wasn't fun, but um, so... It was, it was really cool to get to see the beginning of one house and then be the first group at another one. But also, like, you couldn't help but feel that whole week because of how destroyed the house was. Like, it was almost like we felt, like, we weren't hopeful for it, but, like, we left knowing, like, this is the beginning of something new for the, for the homeowner. And, like, um, it was just a really cool experience to get to see. And we just really hope that for the best for her and that one day the house will be built back where she can live in it again. That's it. Aren't they awesome? <laughs> um, so we just want to thank y'all as our, as our church family for sending us, for praying for us, for helping to create this, um, this home where we can be a youth group that, um, that has the ability to go and do and be the hands and feet of Jesus, um, you know, as, as all of us are in different varying stages of storms of our own lives, and to go be the hands of Jesus for people who have experienced their own storms. Um, so in light of that, I want to um, pray another Kate Bowler blessing, and this one is so beautiful, and it's called For When Disaster Strikes, a blessing. Ooh a blessing for our homeowners and for all of us who are um, maybe experiencing storms of our own. Let's pray. The world is not lost, but sometimes it seems so. With trees and homes uprooted and people's lives alongside them, with wars raging on and violence unceasing, with the utter randomness of disaster and tragedies that don't seem to discriminate, with hunger and homelessness and pandemics, blessed are we who cry out, how long, O oh Lord? The suffering we've witnessed is unbearable. Come quickly, bring swift relief and sweet comfort to those in need. Bless those who have lost everything. Bless the helpers, the aid workers, 
the first responders. Bless the leaders and peacemakers who are swift to act. Bless the rescue workers, the shelterers, the neighbors. And bless those of us who feel helpless in the face of such evil. Give us clear eyes and sharp minds and courageous hearts to know what little we might offer, to ease pain where we are able, to bear witness to what demands to be seen. God, you know the need. You are the beginning and the ending, and you have not left us alone. God, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Spirit, have mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen.